So I love when people, whoa, I love when people ask that timeless question, what lessons did you learn from your mother? What pearls of wisdom did she leave with you? Leave with you? Excuse my voice as well. I kind of do this Catherine Hepburn thing sometimes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and many women will have answers like, oh, my mom used to tell me the best part of being a woman is becoming a mother. Or don't be afraid to be who you are because if someone loves you, they'll accept you no matter what. And when I look back on my mother's messages, I feel like they were subliminal messages as opposed to direct ones. But the one direct one that she did give me was she used to say when she was 80 years old, no matter how old I am on the outside, I always feel the same on the inside. And I agree with that. Now that I'm aging, I feel timeless on the inside. But obviously, I am aging on the outside. So now I'm left with these subliminal messages that my mother has given me. And subliminal messages are those messages hidden in between the lines. And they operate just below the threshold of consciousness. So... Subliminal messages can be just as damaging as obvious abuses, and abuses are right, physical, verbal, sexual abuse. But do we always recognize those subliminal messages? They're subtle elements that are cleverly disguised in everyday looks and language and attitudes. One example for me is my birth story. So most of us have a birth story, right? What kind of birth story did your mother wrap you in? My mother swathed me in guilt. She always used to tell me, you were in such a hurry to be born, you couldn't wait. You had to do it your way. You were in such a hurry, you wrapped the cord around your neck. And I'd say, Mom, I was a baby, it wasn't my fault. Big help that was. But what she didn't say was, I could have lost you. You could have died. What she didn't say was, I couldn't bear to lose a second Carol. A second Carol. I didn't know that there had been a first Carol until I was almost 18 years old. Two years before I was born, my mother gave birth to a baby girl that lived three days. Her name was Carol Jean. My name is Carol Jean. So I found out about this one day when I was rifling through my mother's closet. I used to enjoy it when she wasn't home, and I'd start going through her stuff. <laughs> like I was expecting to find a secret, right? And one of the first things that I would look at was her white embossed gilded Catholic Bible. And she kept it in a velvet box, the box it came in. It was pristine. There was tissue paper in, in between the um, artist's illustrations of biblical events, whatever they were. I sure don't remember. I always thought there was too many words and not enough pictures. And then after I looked at the Bible, I'd look at my birth certificate, 
which was folded and worn and stuffed in a stained envelope about this big. And in faded ink was Carol Jean written on the envelope. And one day I decided to keep looking. And I found a, a white cardboard box, and there's probably some of you here that remember they used to sell nylons in these white cardboard boxes. Um, and the nylons would be wrapped in tissue paper. And I opened the box, unfolded the tissue paper, and there was a birth certificate with my name on it, Carol Jean Horwath. But instead of my birthday, February 16, 1949, it said November 12, 1947. So when my mom got home that day, I decided to risk her getting really mad at me. And I said, uh, Mom, you know, what, what's going on? And she said, yeah, she had a premature baby that was three months premature that lived for three days. But the thing about it was that she got this really dreamy look in her eyes, and her face softened. Her voice almost became a whisper. And she said she was such a beautiful little girl with thick black hair and hazel eyes. And I realized my mom never looked at me that way. She never told me I was pretty. She never told me she loved me until I was almost 40 years old, not too long before she died. So while my mother's face softened, my belly tightened. And I knew there was something missing in the way she felt about me. Subliminal messages. So I said, why did you name me after her? And she said, I don't know. I guess that was the Polish tradition. And then she used to tell me, your father always wanted a little girl. And I started thinking, well, he must have wanted the first Carol because he sure didn't seem to want me. He was always working. He worked nights on weekends. He was fishing or golfing or with his buddies. More subliminal messages. Of course, it never occurred to me until years later that I could have used that birth certificate to get a fake ID. Right? Damn it. But what I remembered most about that birth certificate was the look on my mom's face. And how I always wanted her to look at me that way. So I started looking back at how my mom talked about her own sister. She had an older sister, Emily, who also died. But the difference was they were both adults. My mom was married. She had a small son and another on the way. And my that brother is here tonight. Emily was married. She didn't have any children, although she always wanted them. Emily died from kidney failure in the 1940s. Today, she might have lived, but back in the 1940s, they didn't have the medical help that they have today. But I began to understand the tension in my mom's face when I was nine years old and I developed a kidney infection and spent almost a month in the hospital. But what my mom never said was, I don't want to lose you like I lost Emily. But my mom grieved her deeply. And she'd always tell me, Emily should have been the one who lived, not me. I should have been the one who died. 
Emily was the talented one. Emily was the pretty one. Emily could draw. Emily could write. Emily was pretty. Emily should have lived. Subliminal messages. So my mom never had to tell me that the first Carol should have been the one that lived, not me. I got that message. And I realized it when I started looking back at the patterns in my life. And I began to understand why twice I was a second wife and never a first. I began to understand why I never had children, but I was a stepmom, a second mom. I began to understand why I would always support my husband's career and never my own. I began to understand why I would always say, it's okay, you go first. You take the filet mignon, I'll take what's left. And I understood that I always took what was left because I was never right. What I never said was, I'm not important, I don't matter, you do. Instead, I sank and stank, sank into deep depression. And I understood why when I was in grade school, I would come home and my mom would be curled up in a fetal position, laying on the couch with the curtains drawn and the television on. But there was also positive subliminal messages. Like after my dad died, my mother finally got her first driver's license when she was 65. As Erica said, I graduated from nursing school four years ago at age 64 and became an RN. I got my bachelor's degree at 65 in nursing. And now I'm working on my master's degree in creative writing. That's me, finally making me number one. Thank you. So I'm looking back at these lessons from these subliminal messages, and one of the biggest ones was that I could never be the first Carol. I've thought of changing my name, but I haven't. I couldn't be the first Carol. I could only be me. I could never take away my mom's pain about her sister who died. I could never replace her father who committed suicide three years after her sister died. I could only be the best me that I could be. But I realized my mother could only be the best she that she could be. Another lesson I learned is that sometimes you have to dig deep to find love because it doesn't look the way you expect it to. And sometimes love comes after someone dies, and that happened to me. About a year after my mom died, I couldn't stop thinking about her. I kept thinking about the regrets I had, that I didn't spend more time with her, that I never gave her grandchildren, that I was angry and impatient with her. And around that time, my friend and I went into a dress shop on Northwest 23rd Street in Portland, a tiny little dress shop. And I was thinking, you know, what would it be like if my mom would have gone shopping with me, which she never would have because she hated to spend money. But we were in the shop, and I was looking at the sales rack, and 
my friend and I, my friend Victoria and I, were the only ones in the shop, and it was small, and I could see across the store. And the sales clerk was there. But I became aware of someone standing next to me, a woman. And I didn't really pay much attention to her. I thought, well, she's normal looking. Except, I don't know, maybe the air felt a little electric or there was a shift in energy. Or, you know, kind of like when you move a couple of degrees in a hologram and you're looking at something else. But I was shopping, so I went back to shopping. And after a couple minutes, she said, excuse me, would you hold this paper bag for me? And I said, sure. She wanted to try on a jacket. Sure, no problem. But after another couple of minutes, I realized I was still holding this little flat paper bag. And I turned around to give it back to her, and she wasn't there. And I looked around the store, and she wasn't there. So I went to my friend Victoria, and I said, what happened to that woman that was over by the sales rack with me? And she looked at me, and she said, what woman, Carol? I said, there was a woman there. She gave me this paper bag. I want to give it back to her. And she said, there wasn't anybody there. Well, I didn't believe her. So I went over to the sales clerk, and I said, excuse me, there was a woman here. She gave me this paper bag. And at this point, I just wanted to get rid of the damn paper bag because it wasn't mine. And the sales clerk looked at me and said, there hasn't been anyone else in here except you and your friend. And I said, Victoria, if if there was no one else in here and I just came in with my purse, what am I doing holding this paper bag? And she said, well, Carol, what's in it? Well, at this point, I have to tell you that my mother never bought us gifts. She wasn't really good at buying presents, but she never, ever failed to give us greeting cards. She always did. She never missed a holiday or a birthday. And I opened this bag, and it was a greeting card. And it had Raphael's cherub on it. And there was this soft angel eyes, face looking up at me, staring at me. And my fingers began to tingle. And I decided to open it and see what it said. And my breath caught. Inside it said, I've been thinking about you. I've been thinking about you too, Mom. Thank you.